Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, can you make a whole new toaster out of parts from old toasters? Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Seth Nelson, and I'm here as always with my good friend, Pete Wright. Our guests today have been working hard to craft a loving and a tight-knit family, and by all accounts, their efforts to create that family has only intensified since their divorce in 2007. In an effort to help others see what's possible, Ben and Nikki created, quote, the book, Our Happy Divorce. It's a book, it's a channel, it's a community dedicated to building a happy, healthy, post-divorce, modern family. Ben and Nikki, welcome to the toaster. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And I, I have to just say that- uh, I think we, we, we rebuilt the toaster. I, I love what Seth said, but before that, and Seth, we've had these conversations, but Occasionally by far the best name of any podcast in the history of the, what is it? 782,000 <laughs> podcasts <laughs> or however many, by really far, many. I don't know. I just did that number. It's probably 7 million, <laughs> but uh, the best name, it, but, but the best name ever. It's settled science. <laughs> well, we appreciate that. And it's kind of gotten condensed to the toaster, like trying to make it hip and cool. I don't know how that happened, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's just natural. It's just natural. I, uh, I, I hope you guys, you, you're, uh, first of all, you're amazing. I spent the last two hours this morning just reading blog posts and watching live streams. And uh, I, I just, I love what you have done. I, I think it would help uh, our listeners to get a sense of the players. Can you can you introduce your family experience and kind of give us a sense of how you got here? Well, I, the, the, the players are uh, started off with Nikki and I, obviously. Uh, we are were husband and wife. Uh, we had a beautiful son in 2003, Asher. Um, <clears throat> we split in 2006, 2007, in that area. Um, and then along the process, I think, you know, divorce isn't just about the, uh, the judgment that, 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 that the judge gives you, uh, you know, it's something, especially with kids, it's going to last you, uh, the rest of your life or the rest of your kid's life. But, but then we both, uh, found new partners. Nikki married a, a great guy uh, named Chad. Uh, and I married a woman named Nadia. Nadia and I, she's a great woman. She is a great woman. She's not, also not, great. Not so she's smart, also great, but great. Uh, <laughs> you know, evidence by she's really smart. I just don't know about her choice in husband. Well, that's you know, it's book smart. But the other, <laughs> so uh, we have two beautiful uh, children, Isabella and Jackson. Um, and so there are uh, what is it? Uh, seven, seven of us. Seven of us now. Uh, which Do you started? Need your fingers to yeah, count? exactly. Uh, which started off as just you know, Nikki and I going down the path of marriage and, and then it's turned into something. I think that what we at least try to tell people, and, and we didn't really realize this uh, until after we wrote the book is uh, it's a crazy story. I mean, it's a, you know, land is Seth has a similar one. It's a land of unicorns and waterfalls and rainbow waterfalls, but you know, our happy divorce, there's still some mud. Oh, there's a lot of mud, but, but for the <laughs> most part, you know, we live seven houses down, we travel together, we have family dinners, you know, once a week, but, we could never have imagined this, uh, this life or this relationship or even writing a book 
back in 2007. Uh, and the other thing is our happy divorce, if you're listening and, and the story is, is, you know, might seem a little crazy. It doesn't have to be in our eyes, our story. I think a happy divorce is if you're able to, at the end of the day, not hand your kids uh, the emotional bill for them to pay for something they had no choice in, you've created a happy divorce. Nikki, disagree with them somehow. You got to you gotta give us something here. <laughs> I always disagree with him. I, I mean, no, I think, you're, I think you're pretty spot on. But I mean, I do think that, you know, people have to make happiness their, their own way. And I, I think that we, in the beginning, decided that, you know what, let's just try to figure out a way for us to be able to be in the same room together and not make it totally uncomfortable for everybody else around us that can be sitting there staring at us going, oh, what are they thinking? What are they doing? And we didn't want our son to ever feel like, oh, I just had, you know, I, I was in a play and I have to go back and sit down. Do I sit with dad? Do I sit with mom? But what if I sit with mom? I'm going to hurt dad's feelings. If I sit with dad, I'm going to hurt mom's feelings. And so I think for us, it was like, okay, this, we need to make this child's life as normal as possible with it being abnormal. Right. And, and, and the, uh, one of the things that I grew up in was a high conflict divorce. And it's something where, you know, after a sporting event, after a school event, after graduation, after a marriage, a, a wedding, after a second wedding, you know, it's not something that, uh, these, uh, that I was able to avoid. And you're walking over and you're, you sort of are keeping a mental count of, okay, well, I think I went over to mom last time. So maybe I should go over to dad across the room. And it's just a terrible place. And Ben, on that point, and I am very fortunate that my former spouse is just amazing. And her um, husband is uh, just loves my kid. And my view has always been, you can never have too many people that love your child. 100%. It's just that simple. But to your point, both of you is... My former spouse and I, when we go to my son's place, he's into acting or when we'd go to his after school activities or events, we would always save each other's seats And even sitting next to each other where there was no conflict. Yep. My son, I sometimes would hesitate when he would come up to us on when he was little on who to hug first, just because we lived in and I would always say, oh, give mommy a hug. I would always just kind of direct him. I'm getting my hug in a second. It's all going to be fine. Yeah. yeah, You know, but it's those little type things where a child should never have to choose. Unfortunately, sometimes the way parents deal with kids, that kids do have preferences and those issues come up, unfortunately, in court or with guardian ad litems and the like. But when you're at all of these events, which are countless moments in time that you never get back, it's so important on what you're saying of, wasn't their fault. Why do they have to choose? Yeah. And in the beginning, I love what you said, Seth, because in the beginning, Nikki and I did not want to sit next to each other at Asher's, you know, <laughs> kindergarten graduation. We did not want to, uh, you know, do sit together as baseball or whatever the event was, but we did it right. We put on our big boy pants and we right. sucked up our ego and we sat next to each other. And it was uncomfortable and it was terrible. And, uh, you know, I wanted to strangle her and she but probably it, wanted- it was like uncomfortable till all till of a sudden one day it wasn't right. And, and, and we always say, uh, you know, we didn't have an, a manual on how to do this, but what we did do in the beginning was we faked it until we made it. And that's, that's one of my questions is, is for people listening and they're in it right now, they're going through a divorce. 
things are unsettled. They don't know where they're going to live, how the money's going to work, what the parenting plan is going to look like, the custody, the visitation. It's all wrong. How, if you can explain, Nikki, I'll start with you, that you mustered enough strength to sit next to Ben in that moment. It's easy now. The time has passed. There's been positive interactions for years. And, and, I, and I was in the same boat. My former spouse and I are in, were in that same boat that you guys just described. And I remember swim lessons being the key. When he was so little, he would cry to go and do the pool. But at that moment, Nikki, how did you muster it to put it all aside for your kid? Because I see people struggle with that every day. Lots of red wine. Lots, lots of red wine. <laughs> no, I think for me, it had a lot to do with me trying to set my ego aside and realizing that what the way I'm feeling has nothing to do with that child. And, and if I continue to feel this way, like I, I, you know, we, you sit there and I had to check myself, like rolling my eyes while I was sitting there. So, you know, no one saw me or so he didn't see me or, you know, just like biting my tongue, which is really difficult for me too. But I, I think it had a lot to do with my ego. So it didn't, it didn't mean I didn't go home and wasn't like wanting to scream. But during those minutes, I was like, you know what? It's not about me. Yeah. And I think the other thing that we did right, you know, looking back on it, not knowing that we were doing it right uh, uh, or that it would lead to this is at the end of the day, all all those things you said, um, I don't think anybody is exempt from those feelings of divorce. Divorce sucks. It is, you know, a, 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 a... emotional, financial, uh, you know, uh, uh, mixed up, muddled up, miracle grow sprinkled on all those things. And, and, and we went through it too. Um, but one of the things that we did, I think in the beginning, before we dealt with the business side of it, because at the end of the day, it is just a business deal, right? You're splitting up assets, you're dealing with lawyer, it, you know, it, it, the crux of it or the ending of it's a business deal, but it's wrapped up in all the emotions that you talked about, fear, insecurity, romance, finance, everything. We dealt with the emotional side first to get at least on the path to be able to deal with the business side of it later, which made it a little bit easier to deal with the business side because we weren't making decisions off the toaster, right? We were, right. Nikki wasn't trying to screw me because she knew how important that toaster was to me. Yours would have been the right. coffee pot, the coffee pot or whatever, whatever it is <laughs> that you spend hours in mediation or litigation over something that you're spending more money than the actual toaster. You could buy 10 of them. Right. But the, so I think the emotional side of it was the key to, to, to you know, therapy. Um, Nikki and I made amends to each other. Um, a lot and, of therapy. <laughs> a lot of therapy and a lot of red wine. That's absolutely one of my my biggest questions in this whole thing, because, I mean, yeah. you got divorced for a reason, whatever that reason is, can't communicate anymore, whatever the problems you were facing. Do you like it sounds like you actually post divorce still had to face those issues. Oh, we still do. I mean, that's, we'd be uh, silly to, to, you know, say that everything's great. Yes, we are best friends. I love this woman, but we are still co-parenting a kid. We still you have- are recording that, that he said that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So many times. Yeah, the whole thing. So it's many gonna times. It's going to be on the loop. Every one of us is recording. <laughs> love this woman. Love this woman. Love this woman. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, the, that, some of the personality reasons uh, or, or issues that we had with each other are still there and still rear their ugly heads. They don't go away. Uh, no, it's just a just, lot. We deal with them differently. It's a lot easier to accept it when she's your best friend than your wife. So, you know, those <laughs> issues uh, of maybe why our marriage and we don't talk a lot about why or the reason. I think those were all just symptoms 
um, you know, uh, of, you know, what somebody did or didn't do. Cause at the end of the day, when we made amends to each other, we tried to put that in the past, um, as much as possible. So we weren't making decisions off of how I felt that the ending of the marriage was all her fault. And I think too, I mean, we actually sat down and really literally said, I'm sorry to each other. And from that point, it wasn't, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, but you should have done that. I'm sorry, but you suck. I'm sorry, but right. you know, it was actually, I'm sorry. We and took I'm sorry and let's, let's try to move forward from that. That part in the book at the coffee yeah. shop to me was just, there were two parts that really struck me. Uh, one is when, when you're at the coffee shop and Ben starts with, I'm sorry. And Nikki's all stressed coming in and you know, her coffee order and you kind of was like, I'm not being fooled by he knows my coffee. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like there's been a lot of shit going on here. Mm -hmm. A cup of coffee is not going to fix it, but right. it, it's what, what, what message he brought behind it. And then to fast forward. Now I will tell you, I cry at Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> I am such a softie. So do I. Okay? So do I. Um, and the reason, <laughs> the reason I'm prefacing that is then when Mickey's now husband, Chad, comes to Ben at the same coffee shop at the same table and starts with an apology. Like maybe I didn't handle our relationship, my relationship with Nikki the way I should have. But I want to marry your former spouse. And that part was amazing in of itself. But here's what got me is when he says, and I want to get Asher involved in the proposal. Is that OK with you? And Ben sucks up his ego and says, yes. And the part where I cried, Nikki, is when your son asked you to marry your now husband. He did. He Tears started flowing. <laughs> Softies. Uh, Softies. No, but, but I mean, that like there, there's. Look at Pete's face, though. Yeah. Look at the shock in it. Like, I just, you know, somebody screenplay this. Please. Yeah. Like let's this needs. OK, uh, let's see who is going to who's going to play you in the movie. Uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be noodling. He on wants Nikki wants Jennifer Lopez. I mean, I would I would take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> you, I would take what's the other girl that's an actress. I mean, a singer. Uh, but the, that was the moment. And look, the, it, it, no matter how much I tried to talk Chad out of it. And try to give him some inside ball on what he was about to get into, uh, regardless of whether I said yes or no, he still was going to do it. But it was at that point, and, and this is the important thing I think also about you know introducing new people and bringing new people into uh, our lives is, and this is going to sound apathetic, but but uh, Nikki, I'm sorry, Nadia and Chad would not be in our lives today if they didn't understand what we were trying to accomplish before they came into our lives. Right. So at that point, you know, Chad, th th there was nothing really, if, if I was taking a look out of it, uh, taking ego out of it, I had no leg to stand on about what a bad guy this wa it was. Right. I'm sure my ego could convince me, but at the end of the day, like Seth said, he loved my son. He loved my ex-wife. Like he was going to be an addition to this life we're trying to create, not a subtraction. And then later on down the line, same thing with Nadia. And, and it was just it, like, for me, you know, was it a gut punch to hear another man ask, uh, you know, to, to use your kid uh, to ask your wife, ex-wife to marry? Yes, it was. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that that didn't, as a man, you know, initially and as a father, kind of gut punch, but 
I, you know, what we try not to do today uh, uh, is react off of ego. And, and it was what was best for Asher. It was a great I thing. I felt better than Asher coming to you going, hey, guess hey, what well, I did yeah, today? Right. Yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I got to I gotta ask you guys, you, t- you both talk about ego and shame uh, in the process. And specifically, I, you've got this lovely introduction to the book on your uh, a video on, um, uh, on your website. And you both say in turn, I didn't want to be for Ben a, a divorced dad. I didn't want to carry the stigma of being a divorced dad. And Nikki, I didn't want the stigma of being a single mom. I wonder when that resolved for you. I think for me, it. I mean, honestly, I keep saying that, but I think, you know, I, I do think that therapy helped that. And I think for me, it was sort of getting divorced kind of knocked, kind of knocked me down. Like I felt like, oh shit, how am I going to get up? You know, how am I going to get up from this and, you know, be the person that I know that I could be? Like I had to, you know, I wanted to, I didn't want my son to see me like, upset. I didn't want, you know, I was just, I think I was really, really hard on myself when we first got divorced because no one in my family has been divorced. Like, I mean, no no one. So it was like me going to my parents and having to say, Hey guys, guess what? Like I'm getting a divorce was like, I I felt like I was stabbing myself in the chest. So I think Mm -hmm. I had to get over all of that. And I mean, it wasn't like, Oh, I was scared. My parents were going to be mad at me. I just was like, you know what? I'm disappointing so many people, including my son, that I just, I mean, I think that's what I really had to work through. I think that's profound. And what I mean by that is so much of what you're dealing with are your own internal emotions on how we view divorce. There's the emotional divorce, which is what you're really describing there. And then there's the legal divorce. And I tell people from a legal perspective, this is a process. It's not a scarlet letter. Mm. When I was divorced and was not dating at the time, I would say, I'm a single dad. And people would say, oh, my God, did you lose your wife? Because, but no one says that to a single mom, Mm. right? And these words matter. Like Ben said, I didn't want to be a divorced dad. But I was like a single dad. I'm like, no, she's a single mom. I'm a single dad. But no one really views it that way. So I worked hard to change in my own mind, who I was and how I accepted myself in this role that I'm having right now. And I really worked hard to push back on what I would say societal stereotypical views and how that might have impacted me because I didn't want those views, as you're saying, to impact my son. And you and you said the two words of shame and ego and, and shame at least speaks directly to my ego. Right. And, and what I was shameful of was the fact of well, there, there were two things. But one, when it came to other women or how people think is when I say I'm divorced, like, what do they think? What are they thinking? What's wrong with you? You know, this guy must be really screwed up. I'm not going to get into, you know, anything with him. because So that was a shame. But that, you know, looking back on it, that was just because it, you know, it, it potentially hurt ego. Now, the other part of it, which was a bigger shame for me, uh, and I don't think anybody, uh, and I think it's safe to assume, goes down the aisle to get married expecting to get divorced. Right. And, and I had the opposite experience of Nikki, you know, like we talked about earlier of being in a high conflict divorce, a child of a high conflict divorce that, Oh God, I'm going to repeat this with my son. 
I'm, you know, I'm going to put my son through this, which was something, you know, I think everybody uh, who has a, something, a problem with their upbringing says, oh, I don't want to be like my parents. But here I was being like my parents. So there was there was a lot of shame around that as well. Did you did you guys I mean, you you have Chad and Nadia. Did you date other people before then? I did. Yeah, I he did. He did a lot. <laughs> Chandelier, I, crystal, <laughs> diamond, diamond. I, I want to talk about that because, you know, we're talking about the kids, uh, you know, bringing in the kids into the new family process. It feels like there's a lot of fear that comes from uh, introducing your kids to the people you're dating. Uh, is that a challenge? Is that is that a myth? Uh, how did you handle that with Asher? Well, I had to politely ask Ben in the beginning. This is a perfect example. Of to kindly, please do not introduce every light, every crystal, every chandelier, every, everybody to Asher until he actually found somebody that he really cared about. And I knew that he was dating. Yeah. In it, quotes. I'm going to use those. <laughs> and I was, you know, and, and my first reaction, or at least my first thought when she said that, and I don't know how kind it was or how sweet it was, but that's Nikki's perspective. I probably was like, that's- Benjamin, don't introduce <laughs> exactly. us. But the first thought, or I should say the first thought was, who the hell is this woman to bring, who, who, who to tell me who to bring, who I can and can't bring around my son, right? And then when you stop, you take ego out of it and you look at it from what's best from for our son. She was absolutely right. Right. She she wasn't saying it out of her ego that she didn't want, you know, another woman around uh, our son. But she was saying it like what kind of message, you know, he's already been through trauma of his parents divorce. What's this revolving door of women going to do to him about how he looks at relationships and how he views it? So she was right. And, and so I, I made her that promise. And it was a year that Nadia and I were dating before I introduced the two. And, and, and when it came time. I made her fully aware of, of how it was going to go, what was going to happen, because she's a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And from a legal perspective, I so appreciate how you both approach that topic. I'll get a call that says, I want it in the parenting plan that you cannot introduce anyone for at least six months in a committed relationship. And I'll say, okay. A court is not going to order that. If you and your spouse want to agree to that, that's fine. And But I don't think time frame has anything to do with it. I think it's how you feel. Are you in a committed relationship? Is it an appropriate time? How old is the child at the time? How does that all play out? There's all these things. Oh, and by the way, how am I going to enforce this provision on determining where the starting point of your of a committed relationship began? Like, it is just ripe with problems as opposed to taking a step back and saying, here's what we're just asking to do. There's no enforcement. We think this is what's best for our kid. Let's really just kind of think these things through and, uh, and go from there. Yeah. And for me, it was who and what is benefiting if I were to introduce Asher to a girl I've been dating, whatever, a month or two months, like what's the benefit? Who, who Who's going to win out of that? Uh, you know, so I can have a woman around my son and we can go and do the, do the uh, beach or do something and like it, it doesn't benefit him. Uh, I'm sure you, you've never been to the beach. 
Yeah, there was a, I made that up. Uh, or, or whatever it is, like, you know, the movies, but, but right. it, it, it would just be for my own, you know, so I feel good. So I feel, you know, and then if she's gone the next week, who's going to face the consequences? And that's going to be Asher. And then what does that tell him about relationships? And, you know, he's already you know, probably, like I said, traumatized by divorce. And what does it mean? But now he's got, you know, because we handled introducing partners correctly, He's got a shining examples of two marriages of what marriages should look like. So let me share this with you. I was in the car with my son and it was a random Thursday night or Tuesday night, let's say, or Saturday night, whatever night it was. And he says, oh, daddy, there's mommy. And literally she was walking down like from a parking lot around on the street going into a restaurant and we were pulling into the drugstore across the street and he says can we say hi now she's walking in on a date you paparazzi your yeah, former stalker. okay thank you for pointing the blame on me Pete <laughs> I froze and said of course we can say hello to mommy. What, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> say no. Um, so we get out of the car and he yells mommy across the street and she looks up and now she's horrified as she uh. should be. We cross the street, says hello, introduces in the most awkward first meeting. And it was the first date. <gasps> oh, oh, sad to the to the guy she's Seth, married. To. I'm sorry. I'm not even. I don't. I'm not even divorced. And I know that. No, sorry. Uh, mommy's in a business meeting. <laughs> we can't interrupt. That's the answer. Mommy's in a meeting. We can't interrupt. We'll call her tomorrow. It's like, but I just saw her walking. She's not in a meeting yet. No, she's it, it, a, they're meeting over food. You know, it's a thing. Uh, what another, are you? What is yeah. that? Is so awkward. I am horrified. That's, funny. <laughs> That's awkward. We have another. We have an awkward okay, uh, story. But about they're married our, now. Our, Hold yeah. on, Ben. They're married now. First date. The guy she married, great guy. Steve's amazing. I've already apologized to Steve. And if I haven't in front of the world, Steve, I am apologizing again. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Maybe actually this is a way for you to take credit for it. So Thank thankfully. Thank you for making me so, yeah. Yeah. You made Steve so uncomfortable. <laughs> That's right. But we, uh, we uh, there was a uh, talk about awkward. Uh, uh, so, so Asher and Nadia had met. Uh, I have not met Nadia yet. Nikki had not she met. she existed. Right. Yeah, I knew I knew that Nadia existed, but and I knew she was spending time with Asher. So every anytime Asher was at Ben's house, I would call him every night to say goodnight. So one night I call him and I'm like, you know, just talk to him about his day and just, you know, getting ready to say goodnight. And he said, Hey mommy. I said, What? And he said, Do you know Nadia? And I said, I haven't had a chance to meet Nadia yet, but I know who Nadia is. And he said, Well, here, she's right here. I think you two should talk. He's like four, four, four Five, and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And he hands her the telephone. And, and, and my wife is uh, very dark. And my heart I, dropped. I, I can't imagine her face because I couldn't see it, but I could see my wife's face or girlfriend at the time. Uh, white as a ghost. Uh, hi. And, but it was Asher's. It's I, kind of his way of saying like, hey, time. this woman's with me. She, you don't, I don't ever see you two together, but you're my mom. So it's time. Yeah. So Pete, my story doesn't sound so bad after all. Now does it? 
<laughs> kids kids hey, are smarter than we kids, give them credit for. Kids are for. amazing. Yes. This is Asher's way of saying, get over yourselves. It's time yeah, to move on. Figure it uh, out. Yeah. That's and it, amazing. It, it, it is another example of many of this idea, you know, that we tried to outsmart our children or hid it, yeah. uh, hide it from him. And along the way, he, he the, like I said, there are others that, that just showed us we weren't giving him enough credit for being aware, whether it was four years old, five years old, eight years old, whatever, for being aware enough of what was going on. Well, I love that because he's, I mean, there are so many words that we throw around like step-parenting and co-parenting and unparenting and reparenting. And it sounds like in some ways, uh, Asher sort of took the lead and demonstrated to you how it was important for him to be parented. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that that's good. That's a brilliant point. I mean, you know, he was old enough to realize that he he saw this woman around his dad, around him more and more often, and he he knew that he was she was important in my life and his life, and it, and he was saying, okay, enough, parents. You know, I'm old enough now to to figure out what I want, and I yeah. see these two women in my dad's life, and it's time that they met, and he forced it. His little smile on his face too. <laughs> Diabolical. Totally proud of himself. I bet. <laughs> like, okay, I did this. All right, good. That's fantastic. So I do have a question because I have a 16-year-old, almost 17. Asher's 17 now. Is he just over you guys talking about how this all works? Sometime. Yeah, I think on the social media front. Oh yeah, it's don't post my don't picture. post my don't picture. Don't. I don't want to talk about. It. But this. that's just not our happy divorce. That's any like even on our own personal ones. You know, he he he's too. He's seventeen. You know, he, yeah. he's you know too cool for school or doesn't want. You know, but he has been great. Um, he, just to sh- in eighth grade to uh, for his application for high school, and it's, and it's in the book. The question was write an essay on somebody you admire. Without Nikki and I making him, his essay was on his mom and dad for what they did and the life they created in a bad situation and divorce. And, and, and so he understands. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he has a lot of friends that have, uh, you know, high conflict divorces, but he understands what we've done um, and he understands the alternative. Um, and, and, and to us, that's great. But the other thing he understands, and this is, an idea, you know, this shows you how hard divorce is on kids, um, even when it's good. Uh, we were fishing a couple of years ago and we were on the boat and he says, dad, this divorce has been hard on me. Mm-hmm. And again, first thought, first reaction, ego, you have no idea, you little ungrateful SOB about what a hard divorce is. But, you know, not acting off ego or not acting off first. Ben put his good dad hat on and didn't say that to him. <laughs> but able to realize, you know, and, and, you know, maybe through my own experience is if you take away all the nonsense, right? You take away all the, you know, uh, putting kids, using them as blocking and tackling tools, like put that aside. The whole just logistics of a divorce is hard on a kid. Going to a different house every, you know, couple of days and every weekend. Forget, I remember forgetting my math book at my mom's and what a big deal that. So, and, and then that's the little things. The big things is, uh, the big thing is that it wasn't his decision. And if it was, we would still be together. So that, you know, he's into it and, and he understands it, but he also, it's hard on him. And is good. We wrote a book called Our Happy Divorce. We live seven houses apart. He can walk between houses. We go on vacations, but it's still not his decision. It's still 
hard on him, even as good as it gets. Now you sprinkle the other stuff that we put aside on top of it and imagine what a traumatic experience it is for those kids. I'm, I'm with you. And what I really, there's so many things I love about your book, but one of my other favorite parts is at the end is Asher writes the last chapter. And for no other reason alone, I've got two quotes that I just want to let everyone know um, about because they just struck me. And if my kid would ever write this, I would be just so thrilled, honored and pleased and loved and proud. But he says, quote, I really don't have a favorite parent. Both mom and dad are awesome. I want to write a book just so my kid has to say that. He's lying. Yeah, <laughs> I'm his favorite, but that's okay. <laughs> but but here's the thing that struck me just a few paragraphs down where he says, Chad and Nadia are my parents too. They love me like parents and they argue with me like parents, um, which I just thought was classic coming from a kid's perspective. And then he goes on and says, look, they have different things to teach me than my parents. And that is the essence to me of you can't have any too many people loving your kid and showing them different experiences and different ways to approach life and problems and solve problems. And kudos to him as a, as a young man kind of working through that and at four years old, putting her on the phone. And then even today going back and forth, I get it, Ben. I tell people all the time, go buy the same pillow. Right. Yeah. Find the same bedding. At least make it seem like it's the, the, it, it works. And, and, and the other thing is the bound and, and the the rule. I mean, one of the great things there there's so many right uh, of having a relationship with Nikki. But and well, should it show you how dumb teenagers really are? But um, you know, is that we communicate? Now we're not going to agree, right? Yeah. Co, I think the idea of co-parenting, like Nadia and I are married, we co-parent our children together because we have different parenting styles. So those we parenting, just, yeah, we have different views on things, and but we talk about it. And the big ticket item, so there's some uniformity across the board between the two houses, right? Because we communicate. You know, the co of co-parenting, the co of communication is together. And so to show you how dumb he is, he still tries to play us against each other. Well, mom said this. Oh, really? Hey, Nikki, <laughs> did you say that? You know, he does. Mom said I could do that. Or mom said it's fine with her, but you're probably going to say no. Right. And, and so I, I say, oh. I, I say, Asher, do you know that your mom and I wrote a book called Our Happy Divorce and we're best friends and we talk all the time? And he, he kind of gets, oh, shit, you know, uh, yeah, I forgot about <laughs> and, we, and we have like a group text chain with all four parents and him on it. So we know that when he's going someplace that's not really at the top of our list for him to be doing, he's got to go through that. Or, you know, curfew. And, and that's our, or, yes, the curfew. Or, but everything, everything is as uniform as it can be without Nikki and I, you know, being married. And I think that's the consistency that's the thing that makes this a little bit easier on them. Now I'm lucky because I don't have to shop for, you know, a, one other good thing about our happy divorce is, is this one, uh, you know, she'll buy two pairs of tennis shoes for Asher. Uh, you know, I also come and clean his closet. She does. I walked in the other day of my house uh, and, and my ex-wife is sitting in my uh, uh, house in my, in Asher's room. And I go, what are you doing here? She goes, oh, cleaning the closets. I got to come do it again. I said, all right. Because he's too big. <laughs> you know. So it's... it's there yeah, are some benefits to living in the modern society and raising a child in two different households just on technology. To have that yeah. group chat and to be able to say, are you kidding me? 
I talk to mom all the time. Like, or dad would never say it that way. (laughs) Right. Uh, and meanwhile, dad's on the text. Right. Oh. <laughs> that's the, that's the mind of the, you know, the uh, intelligence of a 17 year old. What is something Nikki that you've even through all this great stuff we're doing. And, and the reason I'm asking this kind of pointed question is I don't want people to feel like it's not hard. It's still sometimes hard. Is there anything that happens uh, with Asher um over at Ben's house with Nadia. I know, I know Ben that I think Asher went on a hunting trip with Chad and it's like ugh, a little bit of a gut punch. Like, is there anything Nikki that still kind of like tenses you up that you have to take a moment to check that ego and, and how do you do it in the moment? I mean, honestly, for as a mom, everything does. Every minute that she has with him that I don't have hurts and it still hurts. So it's, it's, I think for me, it's, it's every day, every day there could be something when he's not with me, it always hurts. So, I mean, but I've just had to kind of like toughen up and get used to it because, you know, she loves him and I can't, you know, and she's a, she's a great mom. She's a good person. And, you know, she's grown, she's grown to be one of my best friends. So I have to just be happy that he has somebody that loves him just like he was her own. And I just have to kind of swallow my pride. I mean, yeah, it does. It's all the time. It's still all the time. Yeah. And I think whenever, you know, I mean, Chad and I have had issues. Nadia and Nikki have had issues. Nikki and I have had many issues, (laughs) right? But I think when you, uh, you know, post-mortem, those fights or those issues, it comes down to what you you said, Seth, is when we react off of the ego, right? Is, Is when we make decisions later on down the line because my ego was hurt because that Chad took Asher hunting. Right. And I make a decision or I react to Chad off of what happened maybe a month ago. And so I think when you, when we look through all the fights that we have or the whatever uh, disagreements we have, it usually comes down to someone is, you know, making a a selfish, selfish decision or a decision based on ego, not what was, you know, what's best for Asher. And it's just because it's just become easier over time. And on that point, I advocate responding, not reacting. And the difference is that is a reaction is without thought. Right. A response is, let me think about it. Let me check where I am in this conversation in my own ego and my own thought process. What is the real issue here? Is there a real issue here? Or is it just my own baggage that I'm dealing with? Yeah. And the other thing, you know, I think Nick and I are very grateful of uh, is, you know, I think text messaging wasn't or was around when we got divorced. Um, but we we talked about earlier in the show about the coffee shop and sitting face to face. I don't know if we would have survived or definitely wouldn't have written a book if we were communicating over emails and text messages and not sitting across face to face conversations or on the phone. Because some of the biggest arguments we get in uh, or the longest is when we F you back and forth on text messages uh, and, you know, it turns into something bigger because at that point I see her as a, I see her almost as the woman that I saw her as when we got divorced, you know, reading her text messages and that's how she's responding to me. Right. So text messaging is not good for Nikki and I. 
not. As a communication tool. Yeah, that's how we uh, fight. It, yeah, stick to messages in bottles, uh, <laughs> two, two cans and a string, like anything to soften the blow. Faxes, Morse, yeah, Morse right. code. Faxes, Faxes are amazing. As we get to wrapping up here, uh, you guys are fan- fantastic. I, I One of the, the posts on your blog that I... I uh, ran into was uh, how the coronavirus made us stronger than ever, dated April 2nd, 2020. Uh, Now that we're more than a year on, how has our happy divorce held up uh, in the pandemic? Oh, that's a great question. Honestly, I mean, I I really do think it made us stronger. In the beginning, we only saw each other because in the beginning, we basically locked it down. I didn't see my, you know, we didn't see our other family. I didn't see my sister. I didn't see her kids because we potted it was like together. Our pod together. We, and we, we only saw each other's kids. Yeah, because we we quarantined together because we had this outbreak monkey going between the houses. So, so if there figured, was going to be, you know, if there was going to be a, a you know a, a problem, it was going to be Asher was going to bring it back and forth to, to each other's houses. So I, we, uh, I think it made us really have to talk a lot more too because Asher had like strict set of rules and he kept trying to. I mean every. Five minutes the kid was trying to break up. Well, my friends can do this. Well, my friends can do this. Well, I can do this. I mean, his, none of his friends were quarantined during anything. So he was the only one that actually had to stay home with us. Yeah, we would, we would, I mean, we, we get together a lot, but we got together a whole lot more yeah. during the quarantine. And, and, you know, even when there, there was, I think. I fourth- almost got in big trouble when I dyed his daughter's hair pink. Yeah, that was an issue. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I bleached the end of her hair and I dyed her hair pink. But at that point, it was like, OK, <laughs> doing whatever we can to just keep our sanity. But we were lucky. I mean, this was another, you know, check mark for pro happy divorce is that instead of, you know, arguing more, which we heard couples do and we did live streams on it. And that's why we started our actually the live stream was because people were breaking custody agreements and using it as an excuse to, you and know, we already whatever. couldn't, we couldn't get divorced because we were already divorced, but we <laughs> used it to, you know, a benefit to be able to, you know, have a different environment, have a different house to just as far as a different location that we were all locked down. Uh, and, and, and so it, it made it better, but it also reinforced that this is a, you know, definitely the easier, softer way. And then I think we took a one vacation, all together in Montana for the 4th of July. Um, and, and then, so fast forward a year, I think that blog was written last year around this time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, nothing much has changed, uh, you know, as far as uh, it didn't get worse. So that's a good well, thing, I, right? I, it, I have it, a point on that. And this is an own personal experience that I had. Um, Pete, as you know, Ben, Nikki, and I all live in Florida in the Tampa Bay area, and we deal with hurricanes. Mm-hmm. And hurricanes are a mini lockdown. Right. It's not a COVID sure, lockdown, sure. but we had a hurricane come through. And at the time it did, my former spouse was living in a house that is 100 years old with a flat roof and a big tree on top. And she called me and said, it's really not safe for Kai to be here. Can he come stay with you in your condo, newly built hurricane windows? I'm like, if it's not safe for him, it's not safe for you and Steve and the dogs. And Right. They all yeah. came and sheltered. Bring everybody. Right. They, and we all hunkered down and sheltered in during the hurricane, which ultimately led to her and her husband, Steve, liking the area that I lived. And they bought a condo four blocks away. So as Asher goes seven <laughs> houses, my son goes four blocks back and forth. But from a kid's perspective, what I liked about us hunkering down, he wasn't at one parent's home 
worried about the other. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you're going through a pandemic, what's going on at that house? Did anyone catch it? Did it like he knows the whole scene because he's in it. He gets to see it. There's no questions. There's there's no concerns about what's going on at the other house, um, which I think just helps immensely. And then he's like, of course, my parents got along like we were hanging out during the hurricane or locked down yeah. in the pandemic. Um, but from a kid's perspective, it's so important to realize that they are viewing all of us and watching everything and listening to our conversations and how we talk about the other parent. Um, I mean, Pete, you know, I always use former spouse because I think X has a derogatory connotation. But when I refer to my former spouse at home, when I'm talking to my son, I don't say your mom. I say mommy yeah, or mom. Mm-hmm. Cause if we were living together, that's what we would say, you know? So I think those words matter. I agree with that. Yeah. And it's, you know, again, it's just one of those things that, you know, it, we try to at least tell people that this is, you know, if you're listening and you're, you're, thinking about divorce, you're just in the beginning divorce or that you just post-divorce, newly post-divorce. We could never have imagined this being, you know, writing a book or much less even. This is what our relationship would that be this like. Would, that this is what our relationship would be like. But it was just a uh, progress, not perfection. We stumble along the way. We try things too early. There's a story we went on a family vacation. <laughs> Too early. Too uh, early. It, it, Nadia and Chad, it was the first time that all five of us went. The the, the little uh, ones, were, excuse me, weren't born yet. Um, but it was too early. It's it was drama. Early. It was just bad. <laughs> but it didn't. It didn't stop us. So I think one of the things that 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 we try to tell people is that if this story we or recognized Seth, it and we tried it again, right? Or Seth's story or any other story you hear of a great amicable divorce is it was it, it, for us at least it took time. And it, it it was so far, if you had asked us at that coffee shop, even after we said we were sorry, what we wanted our divorce to look like, uh, and if we open that up right now, we would have undershot it uh, by miles. An overnight success, 13 years in the making. Exactly. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, That's fantastic. You guys, this is really great. Uh, you've, you've got so many wonderful resources for folks. You want to uh, plug something? I mean... It seems like everything might be just under the banner of our happy divorce, but uh, tell, tell us about Every, it. Everything is our happy divorce. Uh, you know, the book, our happy divorce um, uh, is available anywhere books are sold. You know, one thing we've done is with our publisher is if, if you go to mascotbooks.com, uh, it took two of us to make this relationship and it took two of us to ruin the marriage. Uh, and, and so there's a two for one uh, special because we'd really love for both the husband and the wife to be able to read this book. Um, and if not, the story's pretty simple. It's all over the place. Uh, you know, we, we take snippets of, of it uh, on our website and blog it. And, and, and so again, this we are not doctors, lawyers. We have no initials behind our names, except for some might say I BS a lot behind my name, but <laughs> we're just two people who got it right. And this is just our story. And, and, and we just wanted to put it out there to give people hope that it doesn't have to be War of the Roses. It doesn't have to be this toxic nope. cloud that follows you around for the rest of your life. It's one of those things that, uh, you know, if we if we learned anything through these conversations on this podcast, a successful divorce is made up of every single tiny conversation or tiny choice you make along the way. Totally. And uh, 
this is this has been a great conversation. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys so much, Ben Helfond. Thank you, DeBartolo. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you for having thank us. You guys. you guys are great. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out and listening to this show. We appreciate your time, your attention, your downloads. Uh, and we'll catch you next week right here on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with Nelson Coster Family Law and Mediation with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, How to Split a Toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of Nelson Coster. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.